Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Scouts podcast coming at you on Wednesday, March 10th, 2021, episode number five. I'm your host, Chad Workman, joined, as always, by Sam Ehrman, Andrew Woodruff, and Matt Nine. Today, we've got a jam-packed show for you. We're going to talk about the Steelers wide receivers. Who is the guy to own there, Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool? And last week, we re-ranked the second-year running back class. Well, this week, we're going to go back and re-rank the wide receiver class from last year. It's a fun and exciting uh, deep group, so we're going to have fun with that segment. Uh, and then lastly, we'll talk about late-round QBs. What, what veterans should you be targeting later on in your draft or guys that you can kind of, you know, buy low on? With that, let's get to it. Thank you all for being here with us today. Remember to head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts to check out all the great content. Remember the database uh, dashboard that we told you about last week. Remember to go check that out. We got tons of content posting uh, all week, every day. So go on there, take a look, sign up for the Patreon. It's, uh, It's insider info you can't get anywhere else. Before we get into our topics of today, there was some breaking news in the NFL yesterday. Dak Prescott signed a four-year, $160 million contract with the Dallas Cowboys. No real surprise that he's returning to Dallas, uh, but obviously, you know, there was kind of a stalemate there on contract talks for a while, so that officially gets done. Guys, do you have any comment on that, anything to say, or should we just jump right into it? How are you guys feeling about Dak? I mean, I'm pretty excited it finally got done, honestly. It was something long waiting. Um, I think everybody knew it was coming. I'm excited to see them kind of just stop dilly-wagging around and get the deal done the way the Dallas Cowboys can move forward. So I'm pretty excited about everybody in that offense, fantasy-wise. I don't know if I'm more shook by the thought of $160 million or the word dillywag that you just used. I don't think I've ever heard that, but I like it, and I will be using it later on. With that, let's uh, let's get into the Steelers wide receivers. They've got two very good ones. Uh, we're all expecting Juju to sign elsewhere, but Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool, who is the wide receiver one there? Who do you want to own? Matt, let's start with you. The answer is both. You, you want to own both guys, but if you could only have to pick one, you know, it would have to be Chase Claypool. Uh, Long term, he profiles is your stereotypical wide receiver one. He's six four. He's two thirty. He runs, you know, a sub four four. What right? Right? Whatever it is, four four two forty yard dash. He can jump out of the gym. I mean, this guy is a giant gazelle. Uh, Deontay, phenomenal wide receiver, shifty, creates separation, you know, as, as good as just about anybody in the league. Um, but after 2021, looking long-term, you know, who's the quarterback? Big Ben and the offense we know will lean on Deontay more 
because that's his guy and that's who he's been working with. Uh, with Juju gone now, I do expect uh, Claypool to take a DK-esque type jump and not only fantasy value over the offseason, uh, but I would expect him to put up uh, similar numbers as to what uh, DK was close to this year. Um, I would say 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. I think that's a perfectly legitimate uh, possibility for, for Claypool. Uh, but like I said, moving forward past 2021, the Steelers are going to want to feature some downfield throws more. I don't know if they're going to get a lot of that out of out of Big Ben this year. I know they're definitely going to try uh, because Juju's not there. Uh, so I think you know both Deontay and Claypool are, are, are going to have very successful years. Um, but whoever they bring in next, whether that be you know Dwayne Haskins works out, gets a second shot, Mason Rudolph's the guy. Fingers crossed he's not. Um, or or they draft a guy, bring in a free agent next year. Whatever the case may be, it's going to be somebody with arm strength, at least more than what Big Ben has to offer. Uh, and we saw last year in Week 17, uh, Mason Rudolph, he heavily leaned on Claypool. I think Claypool had 11 targets in that game uh, and was the number one receiver uh, because he's so big. He's a huge safety blanket, safety net across the middle field, down the field, underneath, and stuff like that. Uh, Deontay had his, too. I think he had four catches for 96 yards and something like that, but he didn't have nearly the same amount of targets as Claypool, as Claypool did, so... I like to think of this in the similar scenario, not comparing Claypool to Calvin Johnson, but the way Stafford leaned on Calvin Johnson, I like the next QB to come in and lean on Claypool kind of in that same way. All right, I've been thinking about this all week, um, and I still don't, as I'm talking, don't know where I'm going. Last year, I had Claypool in my top five all year Heading into the rookie draft season, um, I wasted a lot of time arguing with analytics people who never watched a second of tape. And I feel like Matt talked about a lot of the good points, um, and it's hard to argue with any of that because he's right. Um, I think both are special. Um, like I always, I always thought Deontay was special when I came out last year and said that, you know, like before the season, way before the season, like April. Um, that he was going to be way more valuable than Juju, and I got laughed at it before. But Deontay's got that that twitchy it factor you want wide receivers to have, like similar to what you want running backs to have. Um, and I know Matt makes up a lot of good points about Claypool being the alpha and prototypical and stuff like that, but I can't help but watch and see what Antonio Brown did in that offense and see – flashes of Deontay being AB-like. So Matt's right. The answer is both. But if you're going to take a gun to my head and tell me to pick, I would probably go with the Golden Domer, um, mainly because, you know, I was a big fan in college. Uh, defended his honor um, last year in uh, pre-draft and after he got drafted. And I wasted so much time arguing about KJ Hamler and Claypool just people forget how much that was a debate like that was actually debate people actually looked at metrics and said kj hamler's a better football player yeah okay um i i don't want to base base off a lot off of the one game sample with mason rudolph starting um you know you can't really go off of that i mean like it was one game um We've seen that offense for years and years and years feature the slot wide receiver and the guy who can create separation. And then the alpha, the big body guy, 
catches a bunch of touchdowns. Like Martavis Bryant was always viable. Juju, when he was younger, was always that deep threat guy. You know, I think Claypool is better than those guys. Um, but I also think they like how the offense runs through the slot guy who can create separation and be a yak monster. Um, my only knock on Deontay is injuries because that's, I mean, that's a real concern. Like last year, he missed some games and stuff due to some fluky crap. But he still finished the season with over, I think it was like 83 receptions or something like that in 13 games. I mean, I think in 2021, he's an absolute lock for 100 receptions. So I think it's close. It's very, very close. I think in 2021, Deontay may be more consistent and end up being the better fantasy finisher. But I think Claypool, I mean, Claypool will win you weeks. Like, Claypool will blow up for 40, and you're like, okay, yeah, buddy. And, you know, Deontay got you 17, which he'll do every week. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think long-term, I don't want to bake too much about the the um, arm strength of the quarterback and whoever's coming in. Uh, I, I don't know. Long-term... I think Claypool, and it's just because the alpha, the speed, you know, a little bit less injury risky. So I go Claypool, but I'm not confident in it. I mean, it's not because I don't love Claypool. I absolutely love Chase Claypool. It's because of how I view the players, and I think they have different roles. Um, But it is so close that I could go either way, and I regret not picking the other option. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that, actually, because I was sitting there, I was like, yep, I got the guy, I know who I want to talk about, and then I'm sitting there, I already listened to y'all two talk already, and now my head's back 50-50, I don't know what quite to go with. Um, where I'm leaning is kind of like what I've already heard before with Claypool. The dude is the big slot, we know when they get into the red zone, he's going to be the primary go-to kind of guy, getting it into the end zone. We've seen that, they talked about it this year, I know Matt, you've been harping on it all last preseason about they're going to get him touches in the red zone. Like, that is going to be a legit role for him. And he showed off as a rookie already. So, honestly, moving forward, I think Claypool is the guy with with the higher ceiling, I feel like, even past Big Ben. So, for me, it's going to be looking at that. I know Deontay is going to be probably your more safer check-down guy. But I think overall it's not going to be too separate or too far off on targets. And I think Claypool is going to be just able to do a little bit more with his size, with his abilities, just to make more out of a little difference, maybe 10, 15 targets difference they get this next year and going forward. Yeah, so one of the interesting things about uh, Chase Claypool and what makes him, in my eyes, an unbelievably special talent that's just about to take over the league is what he did last year. He did with barely a 60% snap share, I believe it, or maybe right above, right above it, like 62, 63%, like that. He was third on the team in almost every receiving stat except for, for touchdowns, and uh, I believe he might have been second in receptions or something like that. But he did this as, as the number three on, on, his, on his team, and now with Juju gone, uh, he's the one. And I just... Man, I, you know, last year when I wrote my article, you know, I had some really good insight from, from one of the beat writers from the Steelers, and, and they they really believe that uh, Claypool compares favorably to Heinz Ward in their system. Uh, 
Heinz Ward was a phenomenal blocking wide receiver. Uh, that was one of the things that sold me on Claypool from day one uh, was that his ability to block is probably the best blocking receiver in the class last year because uh, that's usually important because whether you can catch the ball or not, that will garner snaps, and with snaps comes targets. So he was going to play from day one, and it was always a matter of just how quickly will they get him into the offense. And, you know, going into year two, like, you know, Andrew said, like, you know, he, he's he's probably the guy. Uh, Deontay's still going to get his. And and I know people are probably thinking, you know, oh, I don't I don't really want Deontay. He has this drop issue. And after his, what was it, three or four games last year where he kind of had the dropsies there, uh, the last few games down the stretch, you saw a different Deontay. Much more dialed in, much more focused. And... Yeah, man, he showed up last year after an offseason of unbelievably training. Mike Tomlin was blown away. If you don't think he comes into year three prepared, been working all summer on the jug machine and stuff like that, then that's that's on you for, for not for not wanting him. I mean, both the like we said, the answer is both of them. Uh, there is no wrong answer. Uh, it's just you know the the ceiling is is unbelievably high. Yeah, I think it's wise to say that you want both of them um but i mean if i'm you know claypool being compared to heinz ward that's great but we talked about dj being compared to antonio brown in this offense and that's kind of what i was going to allude to sam i mean actually i think i got this graphic from you matt last year when i wrote about deontay johnson but they're their measurables, speaking of Brown and, and Deontay, their measurables are nearly identical uh, just in terms of size and then their their profile, their, their 40 and, and bench and vertical and three-cone drill. They're nearly identical, and Deontay really looked a lot like A.B. running around out there last year. The guy saw 144 targets last year, and I know that's in large part due to Ben and his declining arm strength and a lot of the short short routes that they ran um, but even long term I think like Sam said they it's just a, a way that they like to run their offense and they like to get a lot out of those you know short slot routes and, and let guys run after the catch so I do prefer uh, Deontay but yeah I mean it's it's obviously you can't go wrong with either of these guys, really. I think they're both going to be studs. And, and we'll see, you know, what kind of direction they go long-term at the quarterback. But at least for next year, definitely, uh, I think Deontay is going to continue to get peppered uh, with targets. Yeah, I want to make sure that everyone knows I was not comparing Deontay to Antonio Brown last year as a player. Antonio Brown is, you know, probably a first ballot Hall of Fame. Hall of Famer. I'm I'm not doing that. They're not the that same player, mean. you know. They're not on the same level yet. But the the specific role in that offense that Antonio Brown held, Deontay Johnson fits it like a glove. That's perfect. And then one other note on Claypool, they're also using him for for rushing the ball. He had two rushing touchdowns last year. This guy might be good for 13 touchdowns a year. You know, 10 or 11 in the air and two on the ground. And I don't know if anybody else caught this, but I believe. It was. It might have been that really bad game that they played against Cincinnati. He lined up uh, at the halfback spot multiple times in that game. Now, he never got the ball, but they ran a lot of jet sweeps and stuff like that. So I'm just saying they're, they're putting him at every position on the field. So this guy's a threat to score from anywhere. 
So I'll come out and bust myself. I was the one last year who said that I was comparing Deontay to AB. I came out and said, you know, I was the, I dropped the measurables tweet and I was like, they're the twins. We could potentially be looking at a situation where the Browns literally have Heinz Ward and Antonio Brown on the field. And we really could. I mean, like, that's how good these two guys are. Like, if and that's the thing is, if you came from Twitter and you see what people say, like, Oh, Deontay sucks. He drops the football. Okay. And I mean, like he, you know, like he's going to get better. You know, like I, this notion that players can't get better is just baffling. I mean, like he finished the season with 11, but I think seven of those first came, came in the first six weeks. And then after that, he was like, okay, let's go. And Matt brought it up, you know, he's going to train, you know, he's going to, he's bulking up, you know, you can't watch either of those guys and not tell me their special talents. Like I literally can't believe that last year, it was, I, I don't know, I actually I do know why. I remember the exact date, it was December 12th, or December 19th, 2020, or 2019, um, where I dropped the tweet, it was like, Chase Claypool's a top five guy. And the only reason I know that was because I was going through my bookmarks the other day, and I was kind of dumping them out and stuff and on Twitter. And the replies I got in that. I just wanted to go back through and be like, ha, how do you feel now? Ha, how do you feel now? Like, but you can't do that. I mean, like you have to, you know, people live and die by the metrics. And if you live and die by metrics, your accuracy is probably not as good as it should be because you have to understand there's outliers and you have to be able to trust the tape and people who watch tape. And if the, if the Pittsburgh Steelers draft a guy in the second round and go, okay, this guy's an absolute superstar. We believe he's special. I can't believe it. And then players in training camp in their makeshift training camp are coming out saying, Holy shit, this guy is special. He's a problem for the league, and he hasn't even stepped on the field yet. That that's that that matters. When players are coming out saying, oh, he's going to dominate this league, and he hasn't even played yet. That was Eric Ebron, if you're going to go look it up, talking about Chase Claypool in August. Like, those – the you have to have the ability to sift through player talk and coach talk and all that crap. But if players are coming out out of pure emotion after a practice and go – holy cow, this guy is going to dominate the league. There's nothing you can do. Like, you're already tipping your game plan to co other, uh, other opposing teams. And people are like, oh, okay, this Chase Claypool guy who's an absolute superstar, I better watch out for him. And you still can't stop him? Joe Hayden tweeted I mean, about him as we well. really could be looking at... Yeah, like, we really could be looking at a, a situation where... Antonio Brown and Heinz Ward, like players, are on the field together. And you can't go wrong with either. But if you buy into narratives or live and die by metrics, then I'm sorry, but you don't have either of these guys, and it is too late. Teams like what's worked for them before. And if we think back to when Big Ben was on his rookie deal, it was Big Ben... It was the bus, Jerome Bettis, it was Heinz Ward, it was Antonio Brown. Now, I've been, I don't know, I don't believe the Steelers will win the Super Bowl this year, but right now they have what they believe is in the next Antonio Brown and Deontay, the next Heinz Ward and Claypool. They are probably looking at Najee Harris, maybe uh, Ramad, uh, Ramadre Stevenson in the back, another big back like like Jerome Bettis was. And then, and then you know, uh, Big Ben for this year. And I know... Like I said, there are people out there that hate Haskins. They think he sucks, blah, blah. We all know his work ethic is not very good. If there was any place that he's going to get right, it would be under Mike Tomlin's tutelage. And 
the his Dwayne Haskins comp coming out of college was Big Ben. He's very similar. So if for some reason Haskins does work out, you have this generation of the Steelers from you know 10, 15 years ago when they were dominant. And with Big Ben restructuring his contract, the Steelers' defense is, for the most part, will be able to stay together. And most of the offense will be on you know rookie contracts still. So this team has a chance to be very, very good right now and in the next few years. Yeah, all well said. The only thing I want to come back and the only thing I want to say is um, you said uh, Big Ben on his rookie contract with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown didn't come into the league until 2011, so maybe, I don't know who else you were thinking of, but it wasn't AB. Um, who was uh, it? I, I, off the top of my head, I don't know. Oh, um, Emmanuel Sanders. Is that who you're thinking of? No. When he played for the Steelers back in the day? What year did they win the Super Bowl? Uh, uh, 2006, 2000, I think. 2005, maybe. 2008. Let me look real quick. Oh, it's Antonio Holmes, right? There you go. I mean, I get what you're I just you remember go. that catch in the that back might, of the That might have been who I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't mean it. Yeah, I mean, yeah they so had Heinz Hines Ward and Antoine <laughs> Randall L. Uh, for their first, or the one in 2005. It's when they beat the Seahawks, whatever. And then... And two, wow, Antoine Randall L. That is a name I haven't heard for a long yeah, time. And then in 2008, they had Heinz Ward and Santonio Holmes. So. Okay. The only thing I really remember about that Super Bowl was my brother was a Steelers fan, and when the the Cardinals were up, I'll never forget, he was in the corner crying because he thought the Cardinals were going to win. And he was probably like five or six at the time. And he's in there crying in the corner. And then all of a sudden, Antonio Holmes makes that catch, and he, oh, dude, he went ballistic about it. And he stopped crying. But... <laughs> I'll never forget that. That's that's how I remember that Super Bowl was my little brother in the corner crying because the Steelers were going to lose. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and pivot to last year's rookie wide receiver class, ongoing second-year wide receivers. Uh, we're going to go ahead and kind of re-rank those guys as we did with the running backs last week. Um, there's uh, It's a very deep class, so there are many, many names. Uh, guys just... Kind of go through your list if you want to throw them into tiers or just list them off, whatever you want to do. Uh, Andrew, what, how do you see uh, this class going into year two? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely jump into my receivers. Uh, like I said, I wish I had broke down my running backs last week into tiers. I thought that was a really great idea, especially with how close we've got these guys. And so this week I did do that with my receivers. Uh, the top tier, I've got Jefferson and I got Lamb. Just two phenomenal athletes, great offenses. I'm perfectly fine with the schemes and the quarterbacks they're working with. The second tier, I've got Claypool, I've got Judy, and I've got Higgins. Another three fantastic athletes, but a little bit more question marks on what are they doing long term. You follow that up, uh, third tier, you got Visca, you got Rager and Pittman. The fourth tier, you got Gabe Davis, Mims, Edwards, Ruggs. And then my fifth tier is just really throwing in those guys like Van Jefferson, KJ Hamler and people of that nature. So the dude I really want to talk about that I think is just a fantastic value right now for people is actually uh, Gabe Davis, so a little bit further down my list in the fourth tier. I think he's just set up in the perfect situation to really take that big second-year step 
So we've got John Brown, we know ahead of him, but most people have already forecast that he is going to be a salary cut. And Cole Beasley, we know as well, over 30, well, I believe 31 exactly as well. So we could definitely be seeing his time coming, into an, coming to an end shortly with the team. And so we've already seen Gabe produce as a rookie. He's with Josh Allen. If he gets that second year bump that many people are hoping he sees behind Diggs, he's going to be set up in an offense that's scoring a lot of points, seeing valuable targets, working with a great quarterback. It's things you want receivers to do. So I think he's just a low buy to get you a nice receiver too, to set back and put in your flex in a week every week. All right. Um, I'm going to do it in tiers as well, because that's how I have it broken down, but I'm going to do it backwards. So my junk tier are the guys that I don't want and no interest. KJ Hamler, trash. He never had any value. Van Jefferson, trash. Doesn't have any value. I don't care if they're decent football players. They have no fantasy value. Um, yeah, I mean, like Van Jefferson, both of those guys, you are expecting multiple played people to go down in front of them. And even then, like, if they do, like Tim Patrick will start over KJ Hamler. Like they they wasted that pick on him. Like he's he, he that was a big bust. And then the next tier of guys um, are my could hit. I have some buying interest. It depends on the cost. Um, that'd be Michael Pittman Jr., Brian Edwards, who I love, um, Jalen Rager, Denzel Mims, um, Henry Ruggs, and then Gabe Davis. Those are the guys that. Could hit that I do like. It depends on cost because I'm not going to spend a lot for those guys. Um, you know, good players. Some of them had bad situations last year, like Jalen Rager. Like I think he could still hit. I think he could still climb a tier or two. Um, Brian Edwards, I think, could climb a tier or two. Michael Pittman Jr. potentially. So that's my next tier. And then the tier two guys are really good players who I think are going to be fantastic fantasy values and maybe even be better players than they are fantasy value, but that's okay. T. Higgins, um, Jerry Judy, Brandon Ayuk, and LaVisca Chenault. Those four guys, fantastic football players. Um, I do think T. Higgins is, I got to say this, I, I he was my wide receiver three last year, but I think he's overvalued. I think he's overrated. In the f- general fantasy community consensus, I think he's overrated. You know, I mean, like people are still taking him over Claypool without even thinking about it, and I disagree on that. Um but I absolutely love T. Higgins. Um, I think he's a star, but I think the general fantasy consensus is he's overrated some. Um, so I'm sure I'm going to get blowback for saying that, but it is what it is. Um, I don't think he's a much better player than Jerry Judy. I think Jerry Judy's a fantastic football player as well. Um, I think Jerry Judy's actually a slightly better football player, but he obviously has the lesser of good hands of those two. Um, but Jerry Judy, by far a better route runner and those sorts of things. Um, and then my elite star, superstars, go get them. If you can get them for a reasonable cost, would be obviously Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, and Chase Claypool. Um, those guys, I think, are three superstars. Um, I don't know cost I don't I don't think Justin Jefferson's cost can ever go up higher like he's already valued as a top three wide receiver so don't go by him um CD Lamb people he's still he's valued very highly but his value can go up um especially with Dak coming back and obviously we just talked about Chase Claypool he his value will go up like people are still oh I'll take Denzel Mims over him 
well, then you just are really bad fantasy advice giver. Like, that's just horrible advice. You could probably get a first-round pick on top of that. Um, Wasn't there somebody that we knew last year who said that? Yeah, but he got himself canceled. Um, oh, are you talking about uh, – so you're not talking about the guy who got himself canceled last week on Twitter? Cause, huh? No, there was some guy last year. Oh, no, no, that's not – no, no, no. <laughs> Oh, man, that's a that blast from the work out. Yeah, no, well, it never does when you blindly follow metrics. Um, so those are the three guys. And then the one guy I do want to talk about the most, and this is probably the guy Matt's going to talk about, so I'm sorry for stepping on your toes, but it's going to be Michael Pittman. Um, I know I know Matt is an MPJ fan, and he's looking at me like, son of a gun. Um, he has alpha traits. He, there, he showed flashes last year. Like, he looked so good in certain situations. And then you can say what you want about him, but I think he's getting a quarterback upgrade if they can fix Carson Wentz. The question is, who do they bring in beside him? Because they're bringing somebody in. Um, like that, That's who, like who do they bring in? And that's kind of where the if with him relies. But I think he has alpha traits, alpha abilities. And I think next year... He could very well be in the conversation. Who would you really have, T. Higgins or Michael Pittman Jr.? And his cost right now, you can probably get him for an early second, mid-second, because people are slobbering over the rookies. And if you're looking at it and it's like mm, Jalen Waddle or Michael Pittman, you know, that's close. It really is. So that that's where I am with Michael Pittman. I could probably talk about all of these guys, but I won't because we have a time limit. Um, but Michael Pittman, someone I'm really intrigued by, and I'm very curious to see what they do next week in free agency. Yeah. So, I... oh, go ahead, Andrew. Sorry, I just got. I got to say real quick. I, I don't know how in the world I forgot this guy off my list, but in tier two, it should have been Claypool, Judy Higgins, and Ayuk. I do not know how I forgot Ayuk. But I can't forget the receiver one for the 49ers. Yeah, because that's – I'm glad you forgot him because that proves the point of how forgotten he is in fantasy Twitter and all this crap. You know, like last year after the draft, and I put a tweet out about last week, last year after the draft, the San Francisco 49ers came out and said, dude, we got our guy. He was the number one wide receiver on our board. And, of course, Twitter metrics people, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, we believe that one. And, well, they were right, and, you know, people on Twitter were wrong, and turns out Brandon Ayuk's an absolute superstar. So when teams come out right after the draft and say, hmm, yeah, the guy we just drafted in highly in the first round was our number one prospect, we should probably take their word for it. That also applies for Chase Claypool. Sorry. That's, I had to throw that in there. So I actually want to address your MPJ comment real quick for – I get some of my my tears. I had somebody offer me the 205 for him straight up and a 12-team Superflex, and I said no. And then they came back and said the 205 and the 209. Still said no. I That's that's not enough. I, I, I really think with Godwin being tagged, we know Tampa said that they want to keep Godwin long-term, right? Uh, Allen Robinson being tagged, he is is one guy that might be traded, the tag and trade, but I don't, I don't know. They might give him the long term deal. Uh, and then Galladay, I don't think the Colts are very smart with their money. I don't think they're going to go out and, and pay what Galladay wants. I'm sure they'll offer him something, but I feel like a team like the Giants, the Jets, 
one of these other squads will come in and they'll just pay him so much uh, that he's going to be like, yes, that's, that's where I'm going. Uh, so I do like MPJ to take the next step. Uh, I, I would think of 2021 as his audition. You know, the Colts invested a second-round pick in him, actually drafted him before JT, if that makes any difference to you. Uh, and th- they'll probably give him this year. Uh, I believe he's going to be uh, the Alsh- what Alshon Jeffrey was supposed to be for Wentz in Philadelphia and Indianapolis. Your big red zone target guy, uh, jump balls, just throw it. He's going to go get it kind of guy. And then they need, they need some guy on the other side. Paris Campbell's a great slot guy, but they do need to bring in somebody else. I fully agree. Uh, so as far as my tiers go, uh, Sam, I'm with you on the first tier. I got Jefferson, Claypool, and Lamb uh, in that order. Uh, the only reason I like Claypool above Lamb is because Claypool was beating up on number one corners last year. He made Darius Slay look like an idiot against the Eagles. Uh, I'm not saying... Lamb can't do that, but Lamb played, I believe it was 96% of his snaps out of the slots. You know, running against uh, outside linebackers and safeties is impressive, but it's not that impressive. Uh, so I want to see him play more on the outside, but there is, they're like, you know, 1A and 1B. They're in the same kind of, you know, tier. And then Jefferson was my, was my rookie wide receiver one pre-draft last year, uh, and he was my wide receiver one all the way until the very end, and he still hasn't moved. Uh, so he's definitely the one. Uh, my second tier, I got Higgins, Visca, and Ayuk. Um, I, I believe I have plans to write an article. I believe Visca is going to be take on a quote-unquote Percy Harvin-type role under Urban Meyer. Uh, Ayuk is, like Sam said, he's the one in a uh, run-heavy team, but when they do throw the ball, he is the guy. Higgins, I don't... The jury's still out for me. I don't know if he's necessarily overrated. I don't want him at his cost right now, personally. And if they really love Boyd or they go get, you know, Jamar Chase, you know, kind of some earth-shattering move, even Kyle Pitts, uh, that that's, that's really going to hurt Higgins. So I think he's kind of, if you have him, you sit and wait and, you know, hope. But I, I don't know if he's a guy I'm out there trying to buy. Uh, my third tier, I got Rager... Judy and Pittman Jr. Um, I believe Rager does take that next step finally, uh, especially under Sirianni. Uh, Judy, phenomenal route runner. Hopefully he gets his hands, some new hands this offseason. And then we just talked about Michael Pittman. And then in my fourth tier, some guys uh, that they have what it takes. I'm just not entirely sure if they're ever going to be truly fantasy relevant. I got Mims, Edwards, Ruggs, and, and Gab Davis. Uh, I, I just, I don't know what those guys, the jury's still out. I think Mims has, you know, he's a little bit like Claypool in the sense, you know, you fall in love with the, with the physical profile itself. Um, he is relatively old for a rookie. I think he was 23. He might be 24 now, or even he might've turned 24 last year and be turning 25 this year. I, I, I don't know his age. Um, but depending on who they do, who they get at quarterback, you know, if they keep Darnold fine, so be it. Um, but if they go get like a Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, that could be really fun. Uh, Edwards, I think is the odd man out in, in, uh, Las Vegas. Uh, I know that he's a good football player, but the fact that they're showing so much interest in players like Juju and Kenny Galladay and stuff like that, it makes me a little hesitant to want to go out and get him. Uh, rugs. I, I think they, they have a first round. What is it? Pick 11, pick nine, something like that. 13 invested in rugs. He's going to be given every opportunity. Uh, to, to be a part of this offense. Uh, and then Gabriel Davis, I, I like him as the player, 
but I don't know. With as much as Josh Allen runs and, you know, Pepper and Diggs every game with 10 to, you know, 10 to 12 targets, there's already been talk about how they're pursuing one of the top tight ends out there. I just, I just don't know if Davis, I mean, Davis's blow up games, you know, when he got significant amount of targets was when Diggs was out or, or Diggs was missing time in a quarter for something like that. He caught a touchdown occasionally here and there, but it just—it was very inconsistent for a wide receiver too on a team. He's a good football player, but he's not somebody that I'm instilling a lot of faith in, and and that's why I actually ended up moving him for a 23 second um, four or five days ago, and I feel pretty good with that. So, all right, um, yeah, I'm gonna run down my tiers as well here real quick. Obviously, Justin Jefferson stands at the top, but I have Lamb in that same top tier. Uh, I think they're, I think Lamb, Lamb was my, my, the top of my board coming out, and I think he is elite. The next tier consists of simply Higgins and Ayuk, uh, two number ones on their team, and Matt, I know you, you talked about Higgins a little bit. I'm not necessarily suggesting buying at his cost because it is very steep right now, but I do have him at the number three wide receiver uh, of this group, and a big reason why, I mean, Joe Burrow threw the ball for over 40 times a game last year, and if Higgins is their number one, which we all expect him to be, simply on just volume and, and opportunity, he's going to eat next year. Let, uh, let me ask you a question real quick, though. Yeah. Did he throw the ball 40 times a game because Joe Mixon was out? Because he's coming back, and Joe Mixon got his old running back coach back that he wanted where he had his, was it, RB one season a couple years ago. Yeah, but I mean they just invested in Burrow as the number one pick and they built yeah. their offense around Bur- I mean Mixon had his chance. And look, I like him as a bounce back candidate. I talked about him a little bit, I think it was last week, but they're building this offense around Burrow, Higgins, Boyd. Maybe they do add another guy. I don't know, but AJ Green and Ross are out of the equation. Maybe they add a pits or something, but they when they drafted Burrow and Higgins, they did it with the idea that these two were tied together going forward and that they could have that downfield connection, which I saw last year and I liked and I want more. So I'm Fair enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep him there, but you know, I understand I do like Mixon's for Mixon for a bit of a bounce back season. Um after the Higgins Ayuk tier I have Visca, Claypool, Judy, and MPJ. I think I love Visca and Judy as kind of breakout slash bounce back candidates. Judy is, I mean, he had tons of unrecognized air yards last year, that offense. We've, we've talked about it a little bit. I know, Matt, you expect it to run through Noah Fant. I'm not so sure. I do think Sutton is the number one guy, but watching Jerry Judy run routes and and get open and create separation, he struggled with drops, but that's something, I mean, there's been a lot of studies done on wide receivers and drops early in their career. They usually overcome it. It's usually not a something to panic about with a young wide receiver, especially in terms of fantasy production. So I like him. Um, I have Claypool in that tier, but Visca is really my favorite breakout candidate and and kind of buy low in this group. I think he checks all the boxes for 
a true, true breakout wide receiver. He has an excellent profile coming out. Um, you know, he's got breakout age below 20. All of his, his metrics are great. Um, he was a bit slept on because he ran with an injury at the combine. I don't know why he did that, but he's a lot faster than he appeared at the combine. If it wasn't for that, he might have been a first-round pick. Instead, he was a second-round pick. Uh, he's in an up-and-coming offense with a potentially elite quarterback, right? We all hope Lawrence is. And then he's on a team that doesn't have an elite established number one receiver. And please don't tell me that DJ Shark is elite or established as a number one because he had 700 yards last year and five touchdowns. I know he missed some time. The year before that, he had his you know breakout season – he had 1,008 yards, eight touchdowns. Solid year. The guy's not elite. I like him. I don't love him. I think Visca is a better football player. He also had five quarterback changes. I mean, that's that's fair. So did LaVisca, Visca was – Yeah, and Shark was still the – Visca was part of this offense last year. He did just as well. I, look, I, I like Visca too. I mean, Shark – Shark in year three being a stud. Year four. Year, well, going into year four, but year three last year, I mean, he should outperform Visca. Visca also wasn't heavily involved. I mean, I'd have to pull up his, you know, his target rate as it went throughout the season, but he was not very involved early on. And Shark, coming off of a 1,000-yard season, I expected more from him last year. We also expected Minshew to take a step, and that did not happen. Yeah, that's fair. No, don't say we because uh, none of them. Well, I not not you specifically, yeah, but as a community, you, for the as a general idea, we're like, oh, you know, Shark put this up with Minshew, let them, you know, work this off season, take another step, and that Minshew actually took a step back. And there was a lot of games last year Dip, where tip. you could see where Shark was visibly frustrated. Like if like I, on yeah. film, you can see Shark is open a ton. He's open all the time, and Minshew was either. You know, a little bit kind of like Tua, not comparing the two, but in the sense that he's a little gun shy. He needs to see a guy really come open or he doesn't trust what he's seeing, doesn't trust that he can get the ball there, and he didn't throw it or he threw it and woefully underthrew it or overthrew it or threw it out of bounds or something like that. Shark profiles almost identically to DeAndre Hopkins, and he's faster than the Nuke. I'm not saying he can be Nuke, you but know who- if, you're, if you're looking for an elite Alpha one wide receiver, Shark fits the bill. You know who Visca profiles after? I mentioned this a few weeks ago, so this is also a test. Brown, comma. I have a bad memory, so I don't have to be tested. Say it again. AJ Brown. AJ Brown. But typically, here's a rule of thumb, though. If a quarterback performed on hype or emotion, like hmm, Minchu in 2019, Probably not gonna roll over to the next year, uh, you know. Like he he didn't like the thing is like Minshew like yeah Minshew mania it was fun like I loved Minshew mania, but he was average. You know like the reason he got all the hype was you know because he was swag daddy and he still is. I mean like he's rocking that mullet, um, and he got I mean like and give him credit he got people to waste a first round pick on him in for in fantasy drafts too. So give him credit there. I mean he had that competition where it's like if you draft him in the first round of fantasy you know like you could be entered to win something and i give him credit he's a marketing genius and he was a lot of fun but he was not as good as what people want to think he was in 2019 he was pretty average and 
you know, like, yeah, you were getting that from a sixth round pick, but there was a reason he was a sixth round pick. Um, I, I didn't have, I was, I had negative interest in anybody in the Jaguars offense last year coming into the season. Um, I mean, yeah, I did pick up James Robinson in a few leagues when, you know, like coaches were talking about it, but with Chark, I just—I don't know, man. Like, I, you make good points, and I know, but I just there's something about him that just something for me with him just doesn't click. Like, it just—I don't trust him enough. And I mean, he's a—what he, like what happens if he gets replaced in the draft? It will click this year because like Lavisca's role is safe. It what? Will, it will click this year. Well, you better hope so because if not, he's not getting re-signed and he's getting kicked out the curb. I mean, like, I don't expect him to be back in Jacksonville no matter what. I don't think he'll be back either, but if he puts together another 7 to 10 touchdown year with 1,000 yards, he's going to be the one for somebody ne- next year. And either way, That's either why, way, that opens uh, the door for Visca. And yeah, I think... No, yeah, I'm with, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think Visca's a, a super wide receiver to buy this offseason. That's, and that's actually a good point. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's another thing is that even with Shark produce, possibly producing this year, he's likely out the door after that regardless, right? But you can't get too excited about LaVisca then because if Chark walks, which we assume he will, they will bring somebody else in. So, like, if you're looking at the 2022 draft and, like, David Bell is available or someone like that, like, pff, David Bell and LaVisca, whoo, buddy. Uh, so did you like, say Colin Johnson? I didn't, I didn't hear you. Chark is replaceable. Chark – no, we're not. We're not going to go. Anyways, um, Chark. I'm not going. That's bait, man. I ain't taking that. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I um, don't appreciate good talent. I lost my train of thought when you. Keep... Well, you like your backups, that's for sure. Oh my! Uh, who, who's the running back in Houston? You're going to die on um, Scotty Phillips or something like that. <laughs> here's here's my thing. Everybody touts the top guys all day long whether they're rookies coming out or or they're studs in the NFL. No, they don't. Not always. Well, I'm just saying, like... like if, I mean, like, last year, you were getting flamed if you said Chase Claypool was right, good at football. Right, so... So, like, they only do it if he's got pretty... Right, you know, that's my point. It's like, people always talk about the top guys. You know, like, this year, it's Bateman, it's Devontae, it's Javante Williams, stuff like that. That's fun. I like those guys, too. Everybody likes those guys. But I want to build an elite bench to go with it. That's why you find me talking about some of these other guys that are actually good football players that unrealistically they have a very long shot, but if they hit, I mean, that's, that's money. That's, that's Claypool. That's Deontay last year. That's Jalen hurts right now. It's my rookie I have for 2021. It's some of these deeper guys. Yeah. Which is D- DJ Dallas. Rashad none of those guys were nearly as deep as Colin, but none of those guys were as deep. Like, I mean, Dante Johnson, like, if you were saying he's a sleeper, I mean, like, you just don't pay attention. If Chase Claypool, you didn't like him, oh, numbers. Well, you don't know what you're doing. Like, Colin Johnson, and I'm not trying to, like, turn into a Colin Johnson I argument. I just, he's easily replaceable. No, he's not. He, he doesn't look special. Yes, does. yeah, okay, yeah, he is. No, he's not. Okay. okay. Then go How trade for him in every league. You I, offer I like to. a second round pick. I him he's my boy. I got my boy. We can give. You don't own him in the fantasy scouts. Uh, two Q. No, I don't. The one we, with. We had a um, like. We had a conversation last um, summer. Jeff, I asked you, you about him when I was writing my. When I asked you about him when I was writing my article, and I said I forget who I was trying to decide who I wanted on my taxi squad, 
And you, I was leaning Colin, you also affirmed that. And you said, if Colin hits, that's huge. I and said, now, yeah, now if. One year, <laughs> yeah, one year later, one, one year later, he sucks? No, I just said, he's if, like, he's, he's a good lottery ticket. Yeah, he's so drafting the sixth, seventh round. I mean, like, let's let's give him this year. I'm not saying you can't give him, this year, but what I'm saying he could be the reason Shark doesn't get resigned. And, and what happens if if Colin Johnson is the wide receiver four again, and he puts up 22 receptions, 300 yards, and one touchdown? Are they really going to go? Oh yeah, Colin Johnson's our boy over DJ Chark. We'll see. All right, all right. I like that. <laughs> All right, let's get the uh, the train back on the the track here. Uh, I, I I don't think I even finished my tears, but this last one is not anything to write home about. I'm actually throwing Rager and Mims in the last tier along with Edwards and Gabe Davis and Rugs, and then it gets deeper and deeper. And I don't really care about Hamler or Van Jefferson. But the point is that Visca is my favorite. Uh, you know, kind of break out from this group. And I like Judy on that uh, same token a lot as well. So let's uh, go ahead and shift gears into quarterbacks. We haven't talked about quarterbacks a whole lot on this show yet. Uh, Let's take a stab at some late round QBs, veteran guys that you like in the later rounds, whether it's a startup or, or redraft or just guys you can uh, kind of buy low and, and get cheap. Uh, Sam, who do you got for us? Um, you know, I don't know. Um, I mean, like, I've been on Twitter still talking about Drew Locke. Um, I mean, he's got the arm talent. They'll bring somebody in to compete with him, probably like an Andy Dalton. Um, I just, there's something about Drew Locke. Maybe it's his swag. I, 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 not really, but, I mean, his swag helps. But I've seen so much, like, there's so much arm talent there. And guys love him. He's somebody I can't quit, essentially. And then, um... Uh, buddy, I don't know. I, I, you know, like when you're talking values, I mean, like you can't talk about Ryan Tannehill because that's my that's my guy. But I mean, like he's no longer a value, and people are taking him in sixth, seventh round. Um, it it could be ugly. I mean, this could be really ugly. Um, and I don't want this to happen. I don't think anybody wants this to happen. Nor do I actually expect this to happen. And I'm sorry for saying it, and I'm probably going to get flamed, but there's a world in an alternate universe where Breeze retires and Jameis signs a big deal somewhere else, and we are watching Taysom Hill play running back and quarterback and everything in New Orleans as the guy. If that happens, yeah, it's gross, but if that happens, it's not happening. Dude, we have to play like if here. I mean, like it's it, it's a possibility. It is like it's like two percent, but it's a possibility. And he's free in every draft. Like you can take him in your last round, and if he hits, he won't be sexy. He'll be really annoying, and you'll probably want to punch him in the throat. But he's a value, and he can win you a league at his cost. I mean, like I'm not saying go buy Taysom Hill. I'm not saying go trade anything for him. But I'm saying if if and if I always talk about projecting forward, and there's a reality where there's a chance that Taysom Hill is the starting full-time quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't expect it to happen. But if that happens, his current ADP as of today, he's an absolute steal. But let's all like put our hands together and sing Kumbaya, and let's hope that doesn't happen. Oh, 
shoot, I didn't even notice that I was supposed to be up. So, <laughs> I was sitting there, I just, I've been sitting there just staring at a couple different quarterbacks I could think to talk of. Um, and two really stick out <laughs> with me. Honestly, there's, there's three right here. So, I mean, it depends if you're playing redraft or dynasty. Uh, the first one, again, this will go for either. Daniel Jones might be a guy to look at because y'all keep mentioning, or at least I keep seeing, the idea of Kenny Galladay going to the Giants. Darius Slayton is not probably going to be a fantasy-worthy receiver, but he'll be a good complimentary piece. Sterling Shepard, plus you're bringing back Saquon Barkley, and we know Evan Ingram, when he can catch the ball, can work the middle of the field for us. I think all the pieces are there. The, the community's low enough on Daniel Jones. You can probably get him pretty cheap, whether it's Superflex, League, and uh, Redraft, or Dynasty moving forward. Uh, two other guys... I could really look at us looking at might be like Tom Brady. When it comes to Dynasty, that dude is going to go so late. But we just saw them lock up Godwin. We know Mike Evans is still going to be there. They're going to bring the offense around because they're wanting to repeat. They're wanting to come up there and go for it all again. So he's going to give you that value very late in drafts. But really the other one I was looking at was Carson Wentz. Wentz in Indianapolis, we know they're going to go get him a good tight end. I've already seen all the talk about Zach Hurst getting traded there or bringing in a guy like Jonu Smith or Hunter Henry, help him work the middle of the field. Y'all are huge believers that Pittman can make that next step forward. So even if they don't get another receiver, that's a true receiver one. We, we're hoping Pittman can make that step up. And nobody wants him. Everybody thinks he's he's washed, he's trashed, he's broken. And so if you're looking at the late-round quarterback strategy, those are three guys I would look into. Yeah, Carson Wentz might actually be the best – value if you think about it at QB right now when, when you take into the cost to acquire versus where he could finish which I think I think top six top seven I think I think that's that's a possibility maybe kind of in that you know six to ten range and he, pro- he probably doesn't cost as much as it would to get you know one of these other guys but I got a couple guys here I, I touched on Dwayne Haskins a little earlier I know we have uh Somebody on our fantasy scout stats, fantasy scouts staff that's very familiar with Haskins. From my understandings, uh, Haskins is he was immature. He's very very poor work ethic. Uh, it, it didn't it didn't work out uh, for the Washington football team, and and that's okay. Uh, there is also you know some people saying he probably should have stayed another year. We could that's debatable. But as I mentioned earlier, if he was to get fixed uh, and put on you know the the straight and narrow path. It would be under Mike Tomlin. Uh, I actually got him for a 21 fifth right after the season started. And for that kind of price for the potential starter next year for the Steelers, I'm, I'm taking that all day long because it's not an on field issue for him. He has talent. He can throw the ball. He's got a very strong arm. Uh, obviously he needs some coaching, but if he can get that off field uh, stuff taken care of, this is a great value to have right now. Uh, another guy is Sam Darnold. I don't know why why uh, people are, are, are fading him because I, I think he's going to start for somebody next year. Um, I've seen some stuff about, you know, Darnold. Uh, I know the report came out today how the 49ers are infatuated with Trey Lance, and that's possible. Sam Darnold in San Francisco would be super, I think, uh, even if the Jets keep him. I mean, this guy is, what, 23 years old? Uh, he hasn't... We could say he hasn't been given a fair chance, and he's he's been given what three years, four years, something like that. And I, I've read a lot of stuff. The co- the consensus feeling around the league is that this guy has what it takes. He just needs to be 
put in the right system. He needs to have the right guys around him, the right coaching, the right staff and stuff like that. So Darnold's definitely going to get another chance somewhere, uh, and it'll be this year. Uh, he's he's going to be playing for somebody. Uh, and then one last guy is Trubisky. Uh, I don't I don't know if he starts for anybody in 2021, uh, but he has draft capital and enough talent that somebody might bring him in at least to be in a quarterback competition uh, to to win a starting job. Somebody might take a stab at him. Uh, I know that you know the Patriots kind of inquired about him and stuff like that, as you know, fantasy scouts reported and stuff like that. So I think Trubisky is is another you know super super late round guy. You know your QB four, QB five, whatever it may be, uh, is is an easy dart throw because he could turn into a starter. And I'm not a huge Trubisky fan, so if he does turn into a starter for somebody, I'm looking to flip right away. Yeah, I think I think that's an interesting name. I think you guys mentioned a lot of interesting names. Wentz was one that. Uh, it does really appeal to me. I think there's a few others. I mean, we talked about Derek Carr a few weeks back. He offers some appeal. He was QB 13 last year, and he's not treated as such. Uh, Marcus Mariota is a guy I'm keeping an eye on just because I expect the Raiders to probably end up cutting him. I mean, I don't know that a lot of teams want to trade for him with uh, his his bonus as a starter with his current contract, so he might get to choose a team to go compete for a job for and then my favorite guy is famous Jameis Winston finished as QB5 just two years ago and while I don't expect him to throw for 5,000 yards again the hope is that he can start limiting some of those turnovers especially after a year with Drew Brees and Sean Payton I think you know if Brees does retire I think he's gonna lock up that Saints job if Brees doesn't retire I'm still hanging on to him in Dynasty, even if he, even if Jameis does go back to the Saints, because I think, you know, he's lining up to take that job there. It'll be interesting if if he does exit New Orleans uh, and Breeze comes back. It'll be interesting to see where Jameis lands. But either way, he's one of my favorites. We we know, you know, how he likes to sling the ball around. So I think he's really intriguing at his cost uh, right now. But. We are going to go ahead and head to our last segment of the show, which is Insider's Corner with Sam, where our own Sam Ehrman drops a little bit of knowledge, some inside info for you. Sam, what do you got for us? Well, I want to go back real quick with Matt said about Trubisky. I just, there's something, I I would not be shocked if Trubisky ends up as a Patriot. Um, And if that happens, then I think there's a good chance he turns his career around, but um, I've seen the talent from Trubisky enough to know that he's got it. It just he's got to have the mental capacity, essentially. But, um, anyways, for the inside corner, it's funny because I talked about it on Facebook a little bit today, and um, I put a tweet out last night. I was I was getting ready to play Warzone last night, and I was in the lobby with one of my buddies. And I was like, "You want to like look for another person?" I'm like, "Oh, I have a, a couple friends on, and um, I don't know who this one guy is, but." I'm, but he's in my friends list. And I always see him on. He was like, "Well, just invite him." So I invite him, and the guy joins the lobby, and I'm like, "Hey, man, what's up?" And he goes, uh, "You trying to play?" And I'm like, "Yeah, like who is this?" And he goes, "Leonard Fournette." And I was like, "What?" And he goes, "Leonard Fournette." I was like, "Tampa Bay running back Leonard Fournette." And he goes, "Yeah." And I was like, "Yeah." And I'm Tom Brady, kind of being like a smart aleck about it. And he goes, "No, I'm serious." So then I went and like kind of started. Twitter searching, kind of see if, like if the match username matched to what he ever posted, and it was. 
And I ended up playing with Leonard Fournette last night on Warzone for about two and a half hours. Um, long story short, I, I didn't... I didn't ask him too many questions because, well, he's a he's a normal dude. He's just trying to have fun. He doesn't want to talk about work. But I asked him, would you rather, in the middle of a game, would you rather catch the bag and be a workhorse somewhere else or run it back? And in the middle of a Call of Duty Warzone game, take it for what it's worth, he said he expects to run it back. So... The player himself is telling me he would prefer to run it back and he expects to run it back, which would tell me, you know, in the two and a half hours we hung out and played, he is hoping to sign a dirt cheap deal in Tampa Bay to run it back with the Buccaneers. So what's that mean for fantasy? Well, it's probably a nightmare between him and Rojo. Um, you know, McCoy's gone, but McCoy never had any value. So, you know, I mean... I didn't know that Leonard Fournette was on my friends list, and apparently he'd been my friend for a long time on Warzone. I don't even know how. But the player himself told me last night he would prefer and expects, quote-unquote, to run it back in Tampa. Um, so plan for it, I guess. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, like, if the player tells you he expects to run it back, um, you know, you have to take his word for it. So for this week's corner, he it's not necessarily good fantasy news, but, I mean, him and I, you know, hung out, had a good time, and he asked me if I was playing again tonight, so I'll probably go play again, but um, take that for what it's worth, that last night in the middle of a Warzone lobby when we were cussing out little kids, um, Leonard Fournette said he would prefer and expects to run it back with Tampa. There you have it. Sam and Leonard Fournette, best friends, and Fournette expects to... Run it back in Tampa Bay. It's a good note uh, to end the show on. Thank you guys for joining us here on the fifth episode of Fantasy Scouts Podcast. Remember, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Get yourself signed up where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else. 